and welcome. My name is Will, and this is What Will We Watch, where we watch your favorite childhood movies that we've yet to revisit as adults and reflect on our memory of them. Joining me today is film producer Arshia Navi. Navadi? Navabi. Navabi. I'm dyslexic, so I made that a... That's okay. (laughs) Joining me today is film producer Arshia Navabi, and we're going back to 1997 to discuss... Double team. They have no idea what they're up against. Now that makes it personal, mister. Can you fly a plane? Like a bird. Does your hair change color when you sweat? Bruce, airball. You need practice, man. But I'll never miss twice, brother. Claude Van Damme, Dennis Rodman. This spring, they don't play by the rules. Sorry. All right. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Arshia, man. How are Thanks, you doing? Man. I'm great. Thanks for having me, dude. This Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, you're a really interesting guy. Uh, you. And I, you're just one of the also one of the coolest people. That I know. Thanks, man. So are you, my brother. <laughs> you're, you're positive. You're fun to talk to, and uh, and you got a good head. Thanks, man. Awesome. Thanks for um, having me. Totally. So, um, what is your kind of relationship to movies and TV? So yeah, I um, I moved to Canada when I was when I was 14, and um, a lot of the movies and TV shows that I watched kind of affected how easy it was for me to kind of fit in and not have as much of a culture shock as a lot of people as a, and a lot of stories that I I had heard. Um, so it just, um, it, it wasn't that surprising when I went to my first class in high school, you know, I was like, okay, it's kind of the same as that movie I watched, you know? Um, so movies and TVs have always been around in my life and I love it. I constantly watch them. I eat them up and my, my roommate, my roommates and I just constantly watch movies and talk and talk about them all the time. That's sweet. So who yeah. like, who do you have anyone in your family or in your life who got you into movies? Well, my brother, my oldest brother, Armin, he was kind of the one that just like brought movies to the house here and there because um, it wasn't that easy to get movies, especially like um, uncensored movies because everything that everything with Iran kind of um, allowed for movies to not be in their full form. Uh, and I'll get into this a little bit more as to how Double Team was when I was a kid <laughs> versus how I watch it now. Uh, but my brother used to like bring movies from his friends or from like, a, um, we have these like black market film dealers in Iran <laughs> that what? just like, yeah, they just come to your house with their, with their car. They pop their trunk and there's like series of movies and TV shows in the back and you choose them. Usually they're the uncensored ones, but if your dealer is not good, you get the censored. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like Dennis Rodman. It, 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 <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That is um, so wild. Yeah. So my brother was kind of the first one who just kind of introduced me to movies. And then eventually I just, got really into them and I didn't know I was going to be a filmmaker um, until I was 20. Yeah. Um, I just, movies were just something were like a hobby or like something that I just loved. Um, but yeah, I would say it started with my brother just bringing movies and showing me stuff. I remember distinctly watching Castaway with him. 
Yeah. <laughs> was there anything and, it, like censored out of a cast castaway? Um, out of castaway. Oh yeah, there, I think the end part where it's raining and um, is it Jodie Foster? Uh, oh, sure. I th- yes, let's say sure. the female character. Yeah, <laughs> and it's raining, and you can see her nipples in the through her shirt. <laughs> that's that's not in the movie. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, but also, Castaway, I remember, was four CDs, so we had to like switch wow. it up because it's all like yeah, it's all burned, right? So we yeah. had to switch every CD. Um, every like 30 minutes or something. Oh, that's so weird. That's like the Godfather on VHS. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, like there's a kind of like a really rich uh, cinema history and kind of film production in I, I, Iran. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like was, did you watch a lot of those movies growing up? Like I've, like I've seen uh, Willow and the Wind and The Separation. Yeah. Those are right. kind of the only two Iranian movies that I know. Mm-hmm. well did you watch a lot of those growing up honestly i watched more western films than i did iranian films when oh, i was okay. there um i think especially at the time i was looking for like i mean i was a kid i was looking for cool action like high-paced kind of films and yeah. iranian cinema didn't really offer that at that point it was no. a lot of um a lot of drama a lot of m- like melodrama melodramatic drama it, it was a lot of crying i remember and yeah it's just about like actual problems people have in iran and it just heightens those and it, it kind of um i don't know it's just not the best scenario for a kid um, nowadays sense. nowadays there's a lot of the market has gotten much bigger and iranian cinema since 20 years ago has blown up um because of Asghar farhadi and kerastami and um you know it's it's just um so I, I kind of grew up watching Western movies. I didn't yeah. really uh, watch Iranian cinema, but obviously Iranian cinema was always around. I watched it with family when we sat around, but I would say like 90% of the content was Western. I think that's, and so when you came over to like America or, or, or to Can, Canada, you were more familiar with the culture and with, uh, and with traditions. Absolutely. Yeah. It just, um, it just wasn't as surprising. Maybe it was the language or, um, I bet it was just a balance of all things, you know, like, um, obviously I wasn't expecting like the high school drama you see from, from different movies. Cause I was aware of like the dramatic tone of things, but, yeah. um, but still it was kind of like, it, it just made me be able to talk in my head and be like, Oh, it's like that movie. Oh, it's like that movie, the situation, you know, it made myself feel better or something, you know? Um, yeah. I went to a pretty small high school, but it, like I, my graduating class was nine people, uh, <laughs> in Canada. <laughs> so wow. it, it was still very different than a regular, normal, uh, regular high school experience. But, um, I just felt like I was able to make friends easier. Yeah. Dude, I yeah. thought I went to a, uh, to a small high school nine that's crazy yeah. i grew up i this is probably not to the same ex- it's definitely not to the same extent but i went i came from a really small island of like 500 people awesome. and then when i came to vancouver i uh i think that watching movies and kind of understanding how like kind of like big s- city cult- culture works yeah was really helpful to that yeah absolutely man totally um, did seeing kind of film censorship in movies and stories, did that affect what you want to tell as a filmmaker? 
Um, I think so. I think it affected it in a way where I don't want any censorship. Where yeah. it, it's just, um, um, I saw so much. Okay, so I, I know this is going to sound insane, but when I used to watch like West, some Western movies played on, um, on Iranian TV, right? Mm-hmm. But for example, like the movie Twenty One. Um, was 45 minutes because <laughs> gambling and sex and like all that is is illegal like you can't show it in Iranian media um, so they used to like literally put like a black t-shirt like a literally like a black cutout of a t-shirt over someone's cleavage to cover that and then they tracked oh. it with every frame and oh, it's like it's not they don't they didn't even try to make yeah. it good you know they just like overlaid it and it's just there for the whole movie and that's that's what you're looking at so you're not understanding what's going on with the film so I, I I felt like every time that's something like that came up, I got really mad. I was like, not because I couldn't see the cleavage, <laughs> <laughs> but because I was like, okay, this is not what it's supposed to be. So um, I, I'm not. I don't think it's gonna make me like want to make um, edgy films in any no. way. But I I think it's just um, one. It just allows me to not want to cover anything up. Yeah. And you also tell like from the things that I've seen of yours and the things that I've read of yours, you tell like very honest stories too. Right. Um, Thanks, and I, I, I think that that probably comes from that. Yeah. Yeah. I think a portion of that definitely comes from that. Um, I mean, it's all storytelling in my opinion should just be true. You know, it's, it should just be honest. Even if it's untrue, it should just be honest. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's get into uh, going from that conversation into <laughs> <laughs> this wacky movie. Why did you choose Double Team? All right. So this movie, I kind of grew up with it. You know, it's uh, it's one of those films that I had a v- as v- VHS and watched it all the time when I was like eight, nine, and ten. You know, um, every time I wanted some action, I <laughs> I, lo- I watched that film. Um, it's it's van damme's best work <laughs> it's just yeah. it's, uh, it's exciting it's um it's really hard to take your eyes off the screen for whatever reason <laughs> it's weirdly magnetic it's weirdly magnetic and it just has so much going on and so much of it is unanswered that you just every time you watch it you're like okay like let me think about this portion of it and develop that in my own brain you know <laughs> uh so like for example like the colony part portion of the film where it's like 10 minutes of the movie, but it's, it's one of the biggest aspects of the film. Like I always, when I was a kid, I I thought that that was like maybe an hour of the film was placed, was put in the colony. You know, I thought the action sequences and everything were just filler, but I I had this preexisting idea that I thought that, there was so much more going on in the colony, like so much more conversations. His escape plan, instead of being two minutes, was like twenty minutes. You know, <laughs> dude, of course, because it should be. Yeah. That's one of the things about this movie. It's so yeah. clear. Yeah, <laughs> and then they just dilute it, man. Yeah, absolutely. That's so, a really good point, though. Yeah, so I remember just showing it to a lot of my friends and being like, <laughs> "Hey, let's let's watch this together. It's really funny." And um, it's funny while I was trying to find out what movie to choose for this. Um, 
I showed it to one of my best friends from, I, I, I was just going through movies that I like and he came across Double Team and my best friend from Iran, Kiarash, we've been friends since we were six and he lives yeah. in Canada now. And I called him, I'm like, I FaceTimed him, I showed him the picture. I'm like, do you remember this movie? And he just couldn't stop laughing. He <laughs> was, was like, holy fuck, you showed this to me so many times. We watched this like every Saturday morning kind of thing. <laughs> like, why are you talking about this now? Why has this come up? So I told him about this, but that was, that was just really exciting to to like talk about this and like think about it and i hadn't thought about it in a very long time so just thinking about all the memories with sitting down with my friend watching it was really nice well it's one of those movies that like it's easily like it's 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 a movie that you could easily go by the wayside totally and like i bet for so many people even the people involved in the movie it wasn't a significant thing to them yeah <laughs> at a young age it gains importance yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mickey Rook didn't seem like he was having a good time. <laughs> no, dude. He was so shredded, though. He looked so yeah, good in it. I know. Apparently, you, he went through like, heavy training for that. I can imagine. Did you watch a lot of uh, action movies like this growing up? Like, Was that the thing that you were attracted to? Um, I watched a lot of sci-fi, a lot of action films, um, a lot of everything, honestly, when I was a kid. I, j yeah. I just watched anything that like I could get my hands on. Mm -hmm. um, at the time where I was old enough to have my own video de film dealer, <laughs> I used to go to go to him and like choose basically like every time a movie came out in the United States, like a week later, six or seven days later, it was available um, for that guy. Even if it's still in theaters, Aww. he had it, you know, Dude, was, that guy had some good hookups. He was my guy, man. He was awesome. <laughs> and he started, he started from like the trunk business, just having mm -hmm. it in the back of his trunk. And then he upgraded to a basement. Yeah. And I remember that being a huge deal for like us. A, be like, we're finally going to a place to choose movies. <laughs> like, like a blockbuster. Yeah, exactly. Dude, that'd be a really good... I'm saying this now. This should be trademarked uh, Arshia. That would be a really good idea for a movie. Or a film? Yeah, there's there's a lot I of love things that. Like that, that have come up in my childhood in Iran that um, I would want to kind of make into something. Yeah. Um, I just don't know where to fit it, but I'm sure, I'm sure they'll come up. As we'll I figure go. it out. Yeah. <laughs> How old were you when, when you moved here? I was 14 when I, Oh first dude. Moved. So yeah. you were watching, you were going to that basement, picking out VHS at like the perfect time. Yeah. Probably from eight until 14. Yeah. Oh, that's such it, like, yeah. I remember going to the dealer and like being like, Hey man, this is my last time here. I'm moving to Canada. <laughs> I'm getting the, the real shit. I'm getting the real shit. I'm going to go to the theaters now. <laughs> Do you, uh, this, you know, this, I, I don't know how much of this movie could, but do you see anything in this movie that has kind of made its way into your own taste and preferences now as a filmmaker and kind of a film enjoyer? Honestly, um, actually I didn't think, think so uh, I, but now it just hit me you know like those scenes where um the actor or like the character goes into the gun store and there's mm -hmm. like a huge like you know gun selection yeah that, i think i have always thought that was really cool when they can go in and like be like oh use this and the james bond used it and Kingsman and so many so many so even many. the matrix even i the need matrix. guns yeah Lots exactly guns. yeah totally so i think um I think this was where it started where I was like, Oh, cool guns. I, I don't really care about guns right now or anything, but I'm just, <laughs> it's just really cool that, I don't know. I feel like that, um, like, 
the gun selection. I know this is a super random thing to have like followed me, but the gun selection scene was really something that I liked. Those are, uh, you know, I've definitely, when I've been uh, writing, I try to write those into action movies just because mm. I, I like making a list of things that I love from action movies. Right. It's usually like the, uh, the, the kind of booby trapping montage of like home alone and predator. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, yeah. And then the weapons selection scene. Yeah. And there, yeah, there's just some hallmarks that you just need to put in your yeah, movies. Exactly. Yeah. And I thought that was super cool. You know what? If I ever make it, make an action film, I'll make a, I'll put a gun selection. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to like this type of movie? Do you want to make movies like this? Um, not necessarily. I mean, it really depends on the story. Um, if <clears throat> listen, like the double team, I love the aspect of the colony, you know, like yeah. uh, a place where agents go when they're fake dead, you know, that's super cool. Um, and what I wanted from this film to be like, if, if I would remake it, I would really focus my attention on just developing the colony. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I, I don't really know if I would, okay. If I would make an action film, I would make it very, like psychological, you know, I would make yeah. it also a thriller. I would make it a lot more interesting. <laughs> so, you, so you're not really interested in, in the, uh, just the blam blam part. No, I'm not interested in the Michael okay. explosion style. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I still find it interesting. I still find it, uh, nice to watch in certain movies, but, uh, it's not something I would want to do, but for, but Mad Max is different, you know, that, totally. that I would love to make. And that's still action, but there's just so much more to it. I think what interests me is the challenge that they went through to of making that film and yeah. all the production issues, not issues, but all the, all the things they had to figure out to just shoot in the desert for so long. And um, kind of like elevating the, uh, the grindhouse more like popcorn flick absolutely. genre of sh shoot em ups with character into something that's really meaningful. Totally. Yeah. All right. Uh, Want to hop into this movie? Let's do it, man. All right. So uh, kind of opening. Uh, so the story focuses on a CIA agent named Quinn, who's played by uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme, one of the most flexible guys in the history of time. And, uh, <laughs> and he's brought out of retirement and away from his pregnant wife named Catherine to go uh, catch an international terrorist named Stavros, played by Mickey Rourke. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Already. Uh, does does this line up with your memory? Uh, no, it didn't line up with the memory I had as a kid. So when I started rewatching it, there was a lot that surprised me. Um, I always thought it was um, it was more in the colony, and it was more about like the escape from the colony. Mm. But that's two minutes of the film. It is. <laughs> yeah. So that whole sequence, that whole uh, part just felt a lot longer when I was a kid. And um, I forgot like a lot of the, the Coliseum fights and like the, the grabbing the Coke vending machines to protect themselves against the, against the fire. You know, I, I forgot a lot of that. So it has changed. <laughs> it has changed <laughs> a lot since I was a kid. Yeah. All right. So, uh, so, he uh, to catch Stavros, uh, Jean Claude Van Damme and his squad go to a carnival where they plan to uh, apprehend him. But uh, Mickey Rourke 
is tipped off by a, like a tiger, I guess. Like they're all kind of hiding around the carnival. Yeah. And, and then, then Mickey Rourke comes. Yeah. And a tiger like <laughs> moves his eyebrow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's super weird. Uh, oh, and like Jean-Claude yells out. Um, oh yeah. Somebody sees the target and they're like, there he is. And then Jean-Claude looks at him through the binoculars. Oh, that's not him. Um, Stavros is left-handed. Yeah. Uh, but throughout the film, he, he's not left-handed. He's like ambidextrous. He's smoking with his right hand, shooting exactly. with his left hand. Yeah, exactly. So that was just like, okay, so the, the, the reason that you catch him or the reason that you think that that's not your target is wrong. And that's just the first first occasion that they say something that is not according <laughs> like in accordance to the movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then this leads to like a huge shootout where uh, Stavros's son is killed. Yeah. And uh, Van Damme chases uh, Stavros into a hospital uh, where yeah. they have that huge fight in the maternity ward. That is super close to the carnival for some reason. That's like yeah. right there. <laughs> you leap from the mini donut stand into the window of, of, yes. of, of, of the maternity ward. Yeah. And tons of babies in there. No nurse to take care of them. No doctors around. Nothing. They're probably all in disguise outside shooting. <laughs> That's how hospitals work, dude. Yeah, when, uh, when, when, when your shift is over, you just lock the door to the maternity ward. Uh, um. How did you like this fight? Like, I, I think, I think the hazards of babies is, <laughs> is like a great kind of stakes to put to it. Totally. Um, yeah. How, how did it play for you? So like a lot of things in this film, I think they just added something to raise the stakes. For <laughs> example, they just do this constantly, right? Um, here, the, here are babies fight around the ba baby. Now there's, there's a tiger higher stakes. You got to jump out of this plane without a, without a parachute and a basketball that inflates around you. Uh, you know, it's just all things like this. So that fight scene was very interesting when they start kicking the baby carts to each other. Oh, it is super <laughs> not cool. Yeah. When you're watching it, you get really uncomfortable. I know. I was kind of like, Oh my God, what the fuck is going on? And I didn't remember any of that um him oh my god when he's like lying on the ground and then he's like pushing himself with his legs it just seems a bit too much for what he's doing like you're trying yeah. to not make sound but you're making as much sound as you would <laughs> 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 um so yeah it's just oh man that fight scene was something eh? <laughs> yeah i um and then doesn't at one point oh no that's later on in the movie there's some really interesting kind of themes of babies and tigers and fake babies in this <laughs> like totally. there's some really interesting rep uh, repeating motifs yeah for sure so van damme he like blocks this grenade that is thrown towards a baby oh, he yeah. <laughs> kicks it into the in the elevator explodes uh he gets hit with shrapnel and he's fatally wounded and he wakes up on this mysterious island and he learns that his wife has been told that he's dead and then he's banished to this secret colony, which is kind of like a club med for agents. Yep. Um, so we've kind of been talking about how this should be what the movie's about. Yes. I so, think. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. So the script, uh, it was originally called The Colony. Right. And it was penned by this guy named uh, Don Jacoby. He mm -hmm. also did Arachnophobia, uh, oh, Vampires, cool. which is a great John Carpenter film. And uh, this movie, e Evolution, which originally was supposed to be uh, 
the third Ghostbusters, and then they couldn't get everyone on board. So then they're like, let's make it about aliens, not ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and it was bought for like a million dollars, which is one of the at the at the time one of the highest paid scripts besides uh, Shane Black, I think. And this was like late eighties or something, right? Yeah, or, I think it was like nineteen ninety five. Oh, I see, I see. Okay. Um, yeah, and then so, it, but it was originally set in the colony. That would have been much better. <laughs> it, <laughs> it's and like it, yeah, it would have had a real Count of Monte Cristo kind of arc to mm, it. I love that film. Yeah, so we I think we both would have preferred if it was at yeah, the original man, point. I think. Honestly, like the, the idea of it was really cool where all these people go, all these ex agents, all these like fake dead agents go, they each have a guardian so they can't escape. Um, and their guardians like doesn't try to suffocate them underwater with a plastic bag. <laughs> <laughs> but they're all like, yeah, what's cool is that what I really like gravitated towards and I was excited for this to be the movie was that they're all like international spies from different agencies. Exactly. I want to see more conversation there. Yeah. And like, yeah, yeah, you're like his, the kind of his guardian is the agent who he blew up at one point. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It it felt like the tip of the iceberg to like a bigger story. Totally. And the characters there, they're like, this is, what was his name? This is Moshe. He's like this spy. And then Jean-Claude is like, oh my God, you're alive. (laughs) And that's it. We don't know what from, we don't know what, what happened. Nothing. It's just like, oh my God, you're alive audience doesn't know who he is we don't get the same reaction we don't give a fuck if he's alive or not and you're also painting this idea of like this is one of the most interesting men on earth exactly and then you do anything (laughs) it kind of felt like um like the hotel from john wick okay where like you you can tell there's there's this like plethora of story that's true yeah and then they kind of leave it for a sequel, but in this movie, they didn't leave it for a they sequel. Didn't leave they it for left a sequel. It. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, what yeah. would you like to see more from this chunk of, of, of the movie? Um, well, it would be great to see somebody trying to escape and get demolished by the nerve gas. So it raised, raises the stakes as to like what happens when the nerve gas is released. So there's nerve gas. Well, the thing that he has to put his finger on when, that, that with the countdown yeah. that releases nerve nerve gas if it gets to zero. Okay. So we never got to see that. See, you don't even know it was there. <laughs> no. <laughs> All I knew was there was lasers, man. Yeah. Underwater. That burnt yeah. stuff. <laughs> that killed so many fish. Um but yeah, so I would like include a scene with someone like or maybe like um Jean-Claude killing his guardian with the nerve gas or something like that. Um I would add a lot with the with the little um, thing that they go into and see all the news and stuff. Yeah, and they, yeah, they make decisions. I would probably add a little bit more on that. Um, so yeah, they, they 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 go into that room and why they're all there is to try to. Uh, I guess that they're like a think tank for stopping yeah. international terrorists. Yeah, and they send agents that are supposed to be dead mm-hmm. to to kill. Uh, terrorists. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> it's a good idea, though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the thing. Is like we're laughing at it, but it's a movie I would love to watch. Totally, me too. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think the colony. If if it was called the colony, if it was more in the colony, it would have been. Uh, 
I mean, it depends on how it was shot and approached, but it yeah. could have it could have been a more memorable. I'm not gonna say it wasn't good for the time because I fairly enjoyed it when I was. You a kid. did, yeah. Um, but I mean, the box office doesn't think so. Like they, <laughs> the budget was 30 mil. They got 11 back. So, uh, <laughs> so clearly it wasn't successful for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, maybe if it was uh, called the colony, maybe if it was more in the colony, it could have been better. But yeah, it depends on many many things. Um, okay, so he uh, he has to escape to uh, to go avenge. Uh, I guess to get back to his wife and then also to uh, kill Stavros. Yes. But the island is like escape proof. Yeah. So there's check-in points for the prisoners. Uh, there's laser filters, uh, laser lasers in the ocean, not laser <laughs> filters, uh, lasers in the ocean surrounding the island. Mm-hmm. And so Van Damme gets the idea to escape on a cargo plane. Uh, so he tricks the check-in point uh, by cutting off his thumbprint and he uh he waits like this weird weight machine and then he i guess swims through the lasers to get to the plane yeah so um there's this montage that like a two minute montage where he preps for everything so and then there's an eight minute workout montage and then there's an eight minute workout montage <laughs> so, of him just stretching yeah it's so oh, weird <laughs> it's just like sorry going back from this I, we should go back to this chunk he, okay in like a workout montage, you're supposed to get pumped. You're supposed to feel like I don't, like Rocky or Mr. T in Rocky Three. You yeah, wanna just feel the energy. And this whole workout montage, you can tell Van Damme was like, "Look, dude, the audience likes my likes yeah. my, my splits. I gotta yeah. get flexible again." And so the whole workout montage is just him working out his splits exactly and yelling in the mirror <laughs> yeah, and lifting a tub with his <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he uh all right so yeah i think we can go back to escaping okay, um were you kind of satisfied with this escape part uh <laughs> no is the short answer um because in that montage, he learns how to hold his breath for five minutes, <laughs> which is how long like the the cigarette burns. Um, yeah. He starts kicking a bucket of pebbles. Uh, <laughs> he does the splits many, many times, and he lifts his bathtub full of water. Oh, <laughs> like so <it's>, good. <laughs> none of those things. How is that affecting you getting out of there? Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's just the montage I- was funny. It's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it is funny. I think that's definitely one of the best parts of the movie uh, laugh wise. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But yeah, I kind of wanted to see like, I don't know. It felt like the, the obstacles that he had to get through were just kind of lazy. Totally. Yeah. Where, like he didn't have to like really outthink or, or beat them with his cunning. He just. Yeah. Holds well, he, breath. He, he did make a device that he attached his thumbprint to, to an eraser and a pencil that came down and scanned his finger on the nerve gas. <laughs> I like that again. That is actually a pretty good, like I wanted that to be the easiest part of him escaping. True. But it was the hardest part. Him cutting off his own fingerprint was the hardest part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And then, so then he is like swimming to get to the cargo plane. Yeah. So, and then that oh guy comes behind him. 
Yeah, so he goes, he jumps in the water as soon as the time is running out. He throws away his watch so they can't track him. Uh, he jumps in the water. Also, bad idea. Leave your watch. Leave in your the watch. Room. Yeah. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he jumps. Last second, lasers go off. He swims um, to this little platform um, under, the, and then he attaches a hook to like the cargo plane and then the guardian comes from behind him and tries to suffocate him underwater with a plastic bag and then van damme kicks him away takes a couple of breaths from his from his uh from his uh oxygen tank yeah and then punches through the platform underwater grabs onto the crate and then the the plane catches it and takes him to the air he punches through Three inches of wood <laughs> Out through water too. Yes, grabs the little netting around the cargo, and then the plane yanks him out of the out of the water through the hole that he punched through. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And so climbs that rope. <laughs> if you've seen Dark Knight, it's kind of like yeah. it's 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 the plane coming down, and then it grabs it, kind of hooks the cargo load and flies away but Jean-Claude Van Damme is holding on to it and he would have had both his arms ripped off <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, this uh, this list, list leads me to my next question do you think Christopher Nolan saw this and was like hey that's intelligent no no <laughs> okay. no I don't think so I mean uh, I would love to watch a video of Christopher Nolan watching this film <laughs> would be amazing and get to that part and just <laughs> and see his baseball. That, yeah. <laughs> that would be really ent would be ent entertaining. Yeah. Um, Speaking of which, how excited are you for Tenet? I'm really excited. I find it hard to get excited about Christopher Nolan movies. Interesting. Um, I really like him. I really like yeah. what he does. Yeah. <laughs> Him saying Tenant is more complicated than Interstellar. Right. I, uh, it's like one of the things I liked about Dunkirk, you know, it's, it's a difficult movie time wise. Like that's really complicated, but it's a very simple idea. And, um, and I think when you get really complicated plots, like interstellar where there's a lot of stuff happening. There's a lot of stuff moving. And then you also have this complicated, uh, story. Um, I guess, uh, yeah, like story conceit almost. Yeah. Um, I forget what the actual word for it is, but, uh, mm -hmm. I think that makes it difficult to enjoy. Um, I've not, I've, I've yet to not like one of his movies. They're all incredible. Yeah. But I find it interesting that, uh, he's one of the only filmmakers where, complexity is a virtue mm. yeah you're right yeah like usually i really like really simple uh like you you know simpler is better in in, in my opinion but he's one of the people where people get excited about being confused yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> but i'm yeah. super excited uh from all accounts i've heard it's incredible yeah i mean i watched the trailer so many times it's just the first couple of times we watched it, we're like, okay, what the fuck is this about? And like, we we're trying to like go through it, like scene by scene, really break it down. Still don't know what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's one of the things I, 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 I haven't seen the trailer, but mm. uh, it's going to be interesting. He's really good at walking that line of Absolutely. what's confusing and what makes complete sense at, at, totally. at the end. And uh, yeah. you've kind of yet to see that him 
past that. Like you've, you've kind of yet to see him go too far. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited though. Yeah, it's going to be good. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, so Van Dam uh, joins up with Dennis Rodman. Yeah. Who plays Yaz. who's kind of like Q to Van Dam's James Bond. He's a uh, weapons and gadget dealer. Also, he's like the VHS guy to young Arshia. <laughs> uh, that's a better <laughs> comparison. Yeah. Um, so yeah, his style is like all over the place. It's like neo androgynous. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like his own style in real life where he's wearing like metallic body armor with snakes yep. in purple bell bottoms. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I think they were like, let's take everything Rodman and just like times it by a hundred. And that's what Yaz is going to be. Yeah. Like, is he just playing Rodman? <sighs> I think there's so. so many basketball references. Yeah. I, I think, I think he's just playing a futuristic Rodman. <laughs> You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's man. He's he's great. He's the reason I went back to this movie. You know, like I I watched the um the Michael Jordan documentary on Netflix with my yeah. roommate, and last that was dance. just yeah, the Last Dance, and that was just incredible. And um, it it was so funny seeing him and like him talking and coming back to Double Team and seeing him there, seeing how he's changed throughout the years and. Um, in the documentary, like them talking about Rodman, just like fucking off for like two weeks, not coming back. <laughs> like, what was he doing during that, that time? He's probably like doing what Yaz does. You know, he's just yeah. like, getting tattoos and like having fun, like drinking, you know? Um, the best part about the introduction to Yaz is that he's getting a tattoo right there. And then to confirm Quinn's identity, he has a hand scanner right there. <laughs> right next to the tattoo bed and he's it's, like are you actually quinn let me scan your hand with this <laughs> scanner right next to my tattoo parlor you know <laughs> it's so good and yeah. uh yeah it's just okay this you know we, we talk talking about this technology mm-hmm. i couldn't tell if it was 90s aesthetics or is this movie set in the present in the present or is it in the future Hey, that's a really good question. Because uh, <laughs> you just said I, futuristic. Yeah, I think I think it is set in the present, but everybody in it is in the future. You know what I mean? Everybody in it has futuristic technology. Like Yaz is like the best arms dealer, or he's like yeah. he's got like the laser sights and shit. And then the colony, obviously, being what they are, they have to be kind of futuristic to sell that point. Um, so no, I th- I think it was it was set in that time but it was just future cool, cool future you know yeah because it was, it was kind of hard to tell just with rodman's like style too yeah but exactly. yeah he's hanging out in a bondage club he's yeah. getting a t- also do you want to get a tattoo in a bondage club like that doesn't no. seem like that's a, a good way to uh stay healthy yeah for sure <laughs> um all right so rodman's hair you know as in real life is changing all over all all over the place i'm gonna give you the list of haircuts okay. or the list of hairstyles. You tell me which is your favorite. All right. So we got tiger stripes. Uh, that's orange, white with black stripes. Mm-hmm. We got swamp water, which I'm calling based <laughs> off the drink you, you, you used to make at movie theaters when you were like 11, which is just purple, blue, yellow, green. Uh, we got, I'm calling this his business professional look, which he wears when he's going undercover as yeah. a 
six nine dude in, in a <laughs> cool ass suit yeah uh, which is just straight red somehow mm-hmm. that's his casual look <laughs> uh i got the coco chanel which is white and black with coco <laughs> chanel logos dyed into it yep and uh final green which is the one on the poster which it's one got, out to you it's gotta be the coco chanel yeah. right it's gotta be it yeah <laughs> i was looking at that and i was like oh the detail yeah. <laughs> it's so good like it's such a such a dope ass look i want to count how many logos are in his head <laughs> <laughs> i'm surprised you need gucci dude like the gucci logos are so yeah, cool for sure oh man. um all right so why yeah is that, he's- why is that not a thing now you know like why are people not doing the double team rodman hair as oh, much as they should <laughs> that should come back you know we we, we our styles kind of passed the nineties now back into the two thousands for like retro throwbacks. True. So we might've missed the, uh, the chance for that nineties hair. We it, should, it, it, it'll come we back. Should, we should bring it back on TikTok. <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> Just start making, uh, start making stencils. Yeah. <laughs> <Let me know. laughs> All right. So, uh, and then I got one last question to do with this Rodman part. So yeah, we okay. talked about the uh, they the, the, they parachute down to go find uh, Rourke, yeah. And Van Dam's like, "Why don't we have parachutes?" <laughs> Good Van Dam. Now I this is my Van first Damme. time ever doing Van Dam. <laughs> Why don't we have parachutes? Uh, and Rodman is like, "I made these. Trust and me." Yeah. <laughs> so I thought they were gonna be uh, flying squirrel suits. Right, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh man, this movie's like way on the top of trends." That would have been then, better than what it was. <laughs> yeah, and then they jump out, and I guess their suits just become big bouncy balls. Yeah, so that that's probably the probably the weirdest scene in the film. So as you said, they start in the plane. Um, Van Damme was like, "I don't have parachutes," and then they they're like, they jump, and then. So, okay, the scene starts with Rodman being super confident in everything, and, and um, homeboy Van Damme is like, all right, I'll do it, I'll jump. So they both jump, and then there's like some weird cutting where uh, Van Damme like flies into Yaz, and then and grabs him. Like, and grabs him, and then they come down, and then the next shot is them in a, in a basketball parachute. It's just like an inflatable huge ball, and they've landed on it, which doesn't seem that full of air actually (laughs) if if you're in that you're dead um (laughs) so what i didn't understand was oh and then when they're on the ground yaz starts yelling at him at jean-claude we're like why did you do that like are you crazy and then he's like see you back at the shop and (laughs) (laughs) so i don't get why he's yelling at van damme like why are you crazy like this was your idea to jump out of the plane with a basketball and then like I don't know. It's just weird editing, weird acting in that scene. And I couldn't understand it, but yeah, they jump out of a plane in an inf- inflatable basketball. Yeah. Which, <laughs> you know, another throwback to James Bond. This movie has a weird amount in common with James Bond, but uh, <laughs> at one point, James Bond's uh, anti avalanche gear is a, is a snow suit that you pull the cord and it creates the same ball. Oh, interesting. Yeah. What year, what year did that come out? Um, I think that was, dude, that, I think that was like, the world is not enough. And so t- 1990, 1999, 1997, they might've taken it from this. Yeah. 
Or they, well, I would like to think that double team took it from James Bond and not the other way around. Yeah, me too. I don't want James Bond pulling from, them, but that, at that time, James Bond was so wacky. They probably took it from this. That's true. Shit. Um, I like thinking when they land that it's just like a bouncy ball that just bounces all yeah. over the Parisian country countryside. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. So then, uh, he, uh, while Van Dam was away, Rourke has uh, exacted his revenge by kidnapping Karen, his wife, or Catherine, his wife. Uh, and Van Dam finally finds her. It's revealed that Rourke has taken their baby for his own. Mm-hmm. Um, Natasha Lind- Lindinger. Lindinger. Okay. This sh- I am so bad at pronouncing last names. <laughs> <laughs> um, Natasha Lin- Lindinger plays Catherine. What do you think of her performance and what do you think of the dramatic scenes in the movie overall? Um, well, none of them come off as dramatic, uh, in my opinion. Yeah. It's, it's all, it's kind of comedic in a mm-hmm. way. Um, I don't, I don't think that's how it was supposed to end up, but I do believe that this film was saved in editing. I like there's, there's so much ADR. There's so much cutting away. Every moment of every moment Dennis Rodman's is a- oh, ADR. He's not even talking. He probably just mumbled too much. So he, they had to just do ADR. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't think like, obviously the acting is, is intended to be amazing in that movie. It's just, full of action but something interesting about the wife is that when i first watched it as a kid so the first scene um you see her there in a swimming swimming pool and they start making out in the pool the second scene you see her she uh, jean-claude has been taken away she's sad she's in her house and then she runs into the rain and sits in the rain mm-hmm. and that's it um so 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 she hides her tears so she has her tears yeah so in the first one um she's kind of naked in the second one her nipples are showing through the rain so in in iran i didn't see those i didn't see the wife scenes um so the first wife shot i saw in the persian film was of the back of her head walking up the stairs of that gallery because even right before that this other lady grabs her hand to walk her up the stairs and you're not allowed to show that in iranian tv so they cut also that so the first shot i see of the lady of the wife is the back of her head walking up the stairs and i have no like i remember being like what the fuck is going on who is this lady why are we in our gallery bam to her giving birth yeah exactly Um, that's really interesting so yeah was are there movies where the they've been so heavily cut in your memory of them that uh that they didn't make sense at all 21 yeah 21 um 45 minutes they they took out the gambling they took out the sex it was just about a guy getting beat up somewhere (laughs) you know it was (laughs) it was not very entertaining it was honestly a lot of films were confusing at times because they didn't really show like the gambling parts and stuff but um yeah (laughs) i'm glad that's not a thing anymore (laughs) yeah do you think that's why iran has such a such like a booming domestic production Absolutely, because people aren't allowed to watch. Um, well, I mean, people, I haven't been back in a long time, probably yeah. seven, seven years now, but um, even when I was there, it had gotten much better. Um, not that it's acceptable in society, but uh, like acquiring films was easier, but it's not as easy as going on Netflix and what, having like thousands of films at your access. Like, 
Um, there's no such thing as Netflix. There's there's like a well, there is no Netflix in Iran, but they have their own version of everything. You know, yeah. they don't have Spotify, but they have Radio Javan, which is which translates to Young Radio, and they have okay. all the similar stuff. And for movies, they have like their own streaming services, but it's all like either comedies or um, Iranian dramas. Um, I remember watching The Others in theaters, and it was like the first film, first American film I watched in theaters in Iran, and that wasn't censored uh nothing of that was was censored which was super interesting i'm trying um, to think what would be because there's nothing really titillating in it right no like no it was, a terrifying movie about a family exactly yeah so <laughs> i remember watching that and being like oh awesome like a movie experience i saw know? an hour and a half movie today <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um i watched that movie in a tent with my siblings Oh, at a sleepover we we camped outside and it scared me so much that i had to run back inside and i didn't sleep in the tent yeah it was a scary movie when it came out i remember yeah. being terrified as well i remember like in theater like grabbing my mom's arm and be like holy fuck <laughs> <laughs> um all right so uh you know what uh, just back to that i really all the dramatic scenes didn't really work for me oh I not think at all sorry i don't think it's I don't think it's Natasha's fault. I think it's more Van Damme and also how the camera was moving. Yeah. Uh, it's a little bit of a strange kind of way. It it's, works great for action, but. Uh, yeah. Oh, why does Van Damme kick the little table in the hospital room? Why does Dude, he do that's the thing? That scene was such a sweet scene. Like I actually really kind of enjoyed that scene. Right. It was all shot in these beautiful close-ups, and then Van Damme just screams and destroys <laughs> it. <laughs> like you got your son, you got your wife. What do you? What do you? What are you sad about? <laughs> oh wait, no, no, no. He didn't have the son. Kidnapped. That's right, right. Oh so, yeah. So Rourke uh, kidnaps his son and lures Van Damme into the Rome Coliseum, which yes. is definitely not the Rome Coliseum. No. It's definitely <laughs> some, some place in like I don't know. I think it was set. I think it, they filmed in like some place in France. Right. Um, but it was meant to be the Coliseum and they have to fight for the baby. Yep. But uh, Rourke surprises him by unleashing a tiger. And landmines. And yeah, landmines <laughs> with crosses. Like, that's so, the thing. Yeah. It's insane. So he puts a bunch of landmines in the Coliseum. I guess his plan is to lure him in here and have a fight with him. And hopefully he steps on a landmine and dies. But at the same so, time, there's a tiger. <laughs> yeah, it's like 1990 uh, Gladiator, I think. Yeah, I, I think exactly. that's what they're trying to do. Like, oh, there's hazards. Yeah, but for sure. That's, that's what we get back to. You know, you're talking about how they used to, they would just throw stuff into scenes to make it more interesting. Raise the stakes. Yeah, here's here's a baby and a tiger and landmines and Yaz on a motorbike <laughs> riding through the landmines so and. Good. And Mickey Rourke and John Clutter fighting in the middle of all this. <laughs> yeah, so so Rodman sh like streaks in on a uh, on a motor uh, on a uh, on a dirt bike and swoops in and saves the baby. Yeah. Uh, well, Rourke and Van Damme are fighting, um, and uh, yeah, just I, I found it interesting. Like, so kind of Van Damme and Rourke they go to blows. Uh, Apparently Rourke trained for like three months for this fight. It oh. lasts maybe like 25 seconds. Barely see him too. 
Yeah, yeah. He looks so jacked though. I know <laughs> he does. I I remembered him in the fighter when I was watching, or in the warrior, or re- rest, Oh, rest. the wrestler. That's right. I was like, oh yeah, he did have a body. Yeah. Um. Still does. He's ejected. But yeah. uh, it's interesting that like Van Dam doesn't kill Rourke. Yeah, you're right. That's a really good point. Um. Technically, Yaz does right. It's hard to say technically for either of them because that's true, he just steps on a mine. Basically, yeah, he steps on, on like a landmine and then he's blown up slash mauled by the tiger too. That's it's right. Just, like, did how how did that play for you? Did did that bother you at, at all? Um, honestly, at that point of the film, I'm so bothered bothered by everything else that that thing didn't really like bother me at all. <laughs> um. <laughs> I think got to your breaking point. Yeah, I didn't really see Mickey Rourke as a villain too much in that Mm. film. You know, like it's um obviously he was the villain, but his presence was so limited and masked, and they tried to keep him cool by by showing him less, but it didn't work Mm -hmm. because oh, by the way, the first thing we saw of Mickey Rourke is that he's walking away from an exploding car and he's like two meters away from it. <laughs> yeah, he does not. Set. So basically he leaves like a chunk of C4 with like, yeah. uh, with like one of those old cartoony clocks on it. With like seven seconds left to it. <laughs> <laughs> Should have said it for just a minute. Yeah. And the guy can't open his car. Like, come on. <laughs> so the guy can't open his car. This is so off track, but the guy can't open his car because he locks it with his elbow himself. <laughs> oh, yeah. If he, the guy didn't do that, <laughs> nothing would have happened. Out. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, um, but yeah, so I didn't really like care about that character too much. I yeah. honestly thought like if, if it was maybe like directed differently, Mickey Rourke could have been a very cool person in that. Because um, I thought he his acting was the best of, of yeah. all of the acting in this film he's a so fantastic I, actor oh i love him man he's incredible um i was surprised to see him in this i was i was like oh yeah, this was bad it was 30 mil you know <laughs> <laughs> you got 15 of that you got 15 of that <laughs> um but yeah i didn't really it, you're right i didn't see that even like the the hero didn't kill the villain directly, and that's kind of weird now that I think about it. But you know what? Didn't hit me before. I didn't care about that at all. Like it, 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 the movie's more about like Jean Claude doing crazy shit and Rodman. You know, yeah. just those two. It's um, way more like a buddy cop movie absolutely. than any, anything else. Um, yeah. So there's. It seems like there's supposed to be subtext to this movie and that there's supposed to be imagery kind of in the uh, way the, the <laughs> director thought of it but it doesn't work out in the actual movie because there's this whole like repeating visual themes of babies and tigers do you think there's any symbolism to it uh no <laughs> i don't think I, I i think you're right that there was supposed to be especially with the tiger yeah um maybe van maybe van damme is the tiger and does a tiger die? No, he just falls off a little cliff, right? Tiger's so, blown up. Oh fuck, that's right. He jumps towards Mickey Rourke, and then oh yeah, yeah, tiger. <laughs> too. So maybe the tiger is Mickey Rourke. See that thing, and it's not clear. Communicate with the tiger in the beginning. That's how he gets tipped off. Right. Oh yeah. I don't know. Doesn't come off. No. No. I think <laughs> where you're like, there's something 
that's supposed to be told here. Yeah, for sure. But I think it's more of what we talked about is to like just raise the stakes as much as possible, just make yeah. the viewer care more by adding all these elements to it. You know, like yeah, it's just I think it's just raising stakes. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. Okay, so let's get into uh, best action sequence. Okay, I need you you to pick. Okay. Uh, best actions. Oh, are you giving me options? Yeah. Okay. So the carnival trap, mm-hmm. the maternity war battle, mm-hmm. the colony escape, the hotel room fight, which we didn't actually get into, but there's like this cool desperado oh, yeah. machine gun case. And yeah. then, uh, there's some, uh, martial arts with a switchblade between the guy's feet, which yeah. is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, I got the Coliseum showdown. Nice. Um, Honestly, it's got to be the carnival and only because of the, the, what, when he rolls on the top of the counter, when he rolls on like the Coke can and he like do it, does a flip and then turns it into a kick and then kicks the guy in the head. That's yeah. probably the coolest moment of the film. And then immediately after he dodges bullets by breakdancing <laughs> on the ground. <laughs> There's some great choreography. Yeah, that's gotta. We gotta give it to them. That's pretty cool. Like all that the choreography they did, that was pretty in- interesting. Oh, I'll say like this movie, the the way that it's shot in such like a weird frenetic way, where they're using, they're trying to figure out where they can put the camera where no one has ever put it before, and you can right. tell like it's very, uh, it's very uh, like John Woo influenced. Mm-hmm. Um that kind of directing pays off hugely in the fight scenes. Like the fight scenes are some of the best you can watch. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, man. I, <laughs> that, that Coke scene though, it's like, it's fucking hilarious. That's like <laughs> Daffy duck meets uh, John wick. Totally. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm going to go with, even though we didn't talk about it, I'm going to go with uh, the hotel room fight. I just really liked. Oh, really? The, how that was the, shot. the, knife toe fight or yeah. yeah that was pretty cool you know what i agree yesterday when i rewatched it i thought that was the most well shot portion of the film that mm-hmm. action sequence sequence especially with the asian guy with the knife that was yeah. really cool um and right before that with the with the desperados machine gun in the briefcase that was fun um, that was pretty fun too you can tell they just lifted lift lifted that though i think oh absolutely <laughs> um all right so the director uh i believe his name is uh hark uh tasu um he uh I, th- I believe he's from china and he had like a decade of directing before coming to america for his debut double team mm-hmm. and then he worked with van damme uh, on his next movie called The Knockoff with Rob <laughs> Schneider. Not a movie that I've seen. Um, we should do that next. <laughs> we should. <laughs> when you come back. Yeah. Uh, do you think Hark should have had a bigger directing career in America? Um, I mean, there's there's multiple ways of looking at that. From a producing standpoint, let's say I'm a Hollywood producer and I'm looking at a director that just made a movie for his first movie in in the United States and obviously didn't make the budget back or they had no profits from a producing standpoint. I'm not sure, mm-hmm. but if, if Hark Sui was interested in, in continuing to do that, then I think, I, I think he had a successful enough career directing in China yeah. to be able to do what he wants. So I'm not necessarily sure if that was anybody's decision, but his own. Um, maybe he just didn't 
like the crew or he just likes like to work with his own team or he'd like to work his own language yeah obviously a lot of like double team a lot of the language doesn't make any sense but i'm not necessarily i don't know hark sui and, and his english but uh, maybe that's a mix of him and jean claude and a lot of like the writing maybe that mm -hmm. didn't come off so um i mean uh, for a director like hark sui he could he could do whatever he wants to do you know if he You're if right. he wanted to come to the united states and shoot another movie yeah but it's it's clear that he preferred working in china yeah yeah he yeah. he he worked for like a decade in china before this he made two movies mm -hmm. here then he went and he went back and he's had a very uh just he's just put out so many movies since then and he's still directing which is crazy that's awesome man that's yeah good for him um so yeah i think it's just by his own choice absolutely yeah for sure um sorry uh, what was the highlight of the movie now to you as an adult um i think honestly like rodman probably because mm -hmm. um i didn't know who rodman was when i was a kid in iran so uh, to me that was just like oh he's a new actor um that he's like acting and stuff and there seems to be some basketball references but <laughs> i at that point when i watched this my english wasn't perfect my oh, yeah. english wasn't that good and also i didn't really care about like knowing who people are so um i think right now watching rodman and all the basketball references was like hey, hey you know like that was pretty cool uh or he says like oh i never missed twice or yeah. um the best defense is a good offense you know <laughs> yeah time for me to play offense yeah yeah yeah, exactly. yeah um, they really you, you you could tell they had a guy they had like a punch-up guy on on set being sure. like, we just need to throw basketball into this <laughs> You guys want to know how we sell tickets? Rodman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> every, 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 every take. Yeah. Um, where was like a moment where were there moments in the movie that didn't meet your expectations as an adult? Probably all of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> overall, overall, I mean, overall as a kid, it's one of, it was one of my favorite movies. I watched it all the time with my friends cause it was just really fun to watch. Um, there was a lot going on, lots of cool action sequences, Van Damme doing the splits, you know, it was just all the nineties highlights, you know, a great teen boy movie. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. So watching it now as. I mean, I didn't expect to be a filmmaker when I was a kid. I didn't even know I was interested in film. So now being a filmmaker, being more than interested in film and really like dissecting films when I watched them, um, I didn't enjoy it. I wouldn't enjoy it if I watched it today as a movie, but mm -hmm. just since I have that nostalgic element to it, I think it's, it's just, it's an awesome film to me. <laughs> yeah. As someone who, as someone who this is the first time seeing it, I think this is a fun movie to put on with your friends. Yeah. And, uh, and probably have a couple drinks with for sure. Yeah. The more drunk you are, the better this movie will be. Yeah. We've been trying to come up with uh, drinking games for movies mm. on, on, on this show. And I don't know if there is one for this one. Hmm. Every time there's ADR, 
take a shot. Oh, that's a really good one. Yeah, yeah every time, it's been everywhere. Every time the actor's lips not moving and you hear them talking, take yeah. a shot. Or there's <laughs> exposition said over top of like shots of France. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah, you'll be um, drunk within five minutes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, recasting 2020. Uh, you get put in charge of this project. Who do you want for each role? Have you thought of this? Uh, I briefly thought about it. Yeah, I think Jason Statham would be the way to go for Quinn. Um, I, love it. I love it. Well, okay, so I would I would remake this film into uh, really focusing on the escape from the colony. Yeah, um, would make it very difficult and very intense to escape from the colony and like, like Ocean's Eleven. Almost. Ocean's Eleven, and the whole point of it would be to like the whole point of the film would be for Jason Statham to go back to the real world, destroy the colony and show his wife and kid that he's alive. You know, yeah. that would be super satisfying. Like want for, almost too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For Yaz. Can we keep Rodman? <laughs> Dude, we can keep Rodman. <laughs> That's a, yeah. Well, well yeah. worth it. Yeah. Let's keep Rodman there. Um, for Stavros. I would also love to keep Rourke. <laughs> Fuck, I, I feel bad for Jokla. I think him, him getting kind of old, so we're just keeping everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Except Honestly, Great casting. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would keep Rodman and Rourke. Um, director Michael Bay. If if oh, I want to do like a proper action movie with Jason Statham, I think I think Michael Bay would be a, would do a great job. I'm a big fan. Uh, and I would call it ADR the movie. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I got, uh, I got, instead of Van Damme, I got this guy named uh, Iko Uwais. Uh, he's just this terrific martial arts actor. Uh, mm. he's, he was in The Raid, and he's in the upcoming uh, G.I. Joe Snake Eyes movie. Oh, cool. Um, well, I also worked with him on Wu Assassins. Oh, amazing. A terrific human being, too. That's awesome. Was he the actual main character in, um, in The Snake? Was it uh, in in Snake Eyes? In Snake Eyes, yeah. I think that's the upcoming movie. It's it's right. not out yet. Yes. I believe he plays Snake Eyes though. It was shot in Vancouver too. Oh really? Snake Eyes, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. All right. So uh, for Yaz, you know, I was thinking athlete, big mm -hmm. personality, flashy dresser. Yeah. I was thinking Conor McGregor. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> Interesting. You'd also need ADR. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Stavros, I was thinking Donnie Yen. Donnie Yen? Who's that? Uh, he's from uh, the the Ip Man series, and he's just a terrific martial arts and a phenomenal act actor. Oh, yes. Awesome. And then for director, you know, I think the obvious, uh, the, the obvious choice is uh, Chad... Stelatsky, Stelsky, mm -hmm. who is behind the John John Wick movies. This movie kind of just like screams John Wick. Yes, uh, if it was remade today. But I think a less obvious choice would be uh, Lee Wanella. Who's that? Who he did Upgrade, and he did uh, the most recent Invisible Man. Oh, cool, cool, cool! And he's just a really fun action director. The action scenes in Upgrade are phenomenal. That's awesome. I need to watch both of those films. Dude, check out Upgrade. I haven't seen The Invisible Invis Man yet. Nice. Okay. Upgrade. All right. So uh, we can get into the ending questions for you, sir. Cool. Um, does this movie hold up as an adult? Uh, no. 
The answer is no. Um, but I mean, again, I enjoyed it just because I, I just because it has the nostalgic effect. But yeah. um, I would show it to people to in 2020, but in the hopes that it would become like a subreddit, you know, in the hopes yeah. that it would become like something to talk about, especially now with uh, with like Rodman coming back up with uh, with a documentary. Yeah, and I feel like it would it would sell well now. Um, and it would become like a cult classic just because of Van Damme and uh, uh, Rodman. But at the time, um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not sure what it was like at the time in the industry. So, because <laughs> I was totally gone crazier too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He yeah. like he went to North Korea. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Uh, yeah, dude, he went and played basketball for Kim Jong Un. I think. Oh my god, um, that's hilarious. All right. I think I know the answer to this. Would you show this to a kid in 2020? Absolutely. I think they would have the time of their life. <laughs> Not the answer I was expecting. I would sit with them and make sure they watch it. <laughs> <laughs> no, obviously, I wouldn't expect them to like it, but I would show them. Absolutely. <laughs> That's really, really funny. <laughs> would you? Um. Honestly, this is one of those movies I'd feel really uncomfortable showing a kid. <laughs> I'd be like, no, you don't need this going into your brain. <laughs> you saw the kid, too. <laughs> yeah, it does. It depends on, on the kid. Um, have you seen a movie recently that would have been your favorite movie as a kid? Probably John Wick, since we brought it up. Probably, um, I watched a third one, I think, a month ago. I think if that came out, when I was a kid, it would still be one of my favorite films mm-hmm. um, just is. because it's the best action film I've seen in that, in that sense. And also Keanu Reeves is just, oh, he's amazing. Yeah. That's, you know, I haven't thought about that as a movie to watch as a kid. And that's one of those movies that like your parents don't want you to watch. Maybe you watch it at, at, at like a sleepover yeah, and you I definitely need to get my dealer for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's definitely one of those things. And yeah. you get the like uncut copy, so like every everything's in there. That's a fun. Oh, I love thinking about that. This is one of the things I like about this episode. Mm. Is usually you know we'll go back and we'll watch a movie and we'll be like that is a fantastic movie. Like a Bug's Life holds up completely. Right. Absolutely. I like All talking to you about this because, you know, it's not, not everything that glimmers is gold. No, Ashmouth. no, I, I was stuck between this and Leon, the professional and Leon is it's too good. Still, still one of my favorite films. Yeah. And I, um, honestly, I just, I thought this would be more, more fun to talk about. <laughs> it is no, really like the best movies to talk about, I think are not the perfect ones. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm going to say, uh, I recently, I usually don't have one prepared for this uh, question, but I just watched Hotel Transylvania. Oh, how is that? It's it's really funny. Really? I was not expecting awesome. it. And Perfect. I, you know, I'm okay with some kind of not super smart humor. Yeah. And I thought it was just fantastic. And it reminded me of uh, really kind of old school cartoons in the way that was it was animated too. Yeah. And it was just a lot of fun. Nice. Um, it's just a sweet movie, you know. Have you seen Onward? I love Onward. That was like, that was amazing. That was this one of my is a yeah. fan of Onward. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Dude, Perfect. It's all about D and D. Yeah, man. <laughs> it's great. 
<laughs> no, I loved it. The, the characters, the older brother was amazing. Yeah, yeah, the older brother. It's just, you know, I, I don't want to give anything away, but uh, that last little turn mm-hmm. at the end yeah. is just, uh, it's just really sweet. And it, you know, it really mm-hmm. makes you recognize the importance of siblings. And Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. I messaged both of my brothers after that film. <laughs> oh, nice. That's so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> That's dope. Yeah. All right. Um, is there anything you'd like to tell the audience about, sir? uh about myself or things i'm doing or uh i know you have a movie on amazon prime correct yeah i have a i produced a film right out of film school called delinquent you can find it on amazon prime uh directed by david i strasser um starring jesse platt it's a it was a really fun movie to make uh we went to salt spring island and shot for Twelve days there and one day in Vancouver. It was uh, it was my first time producing. It was very difficult, but we got we got it done after just, uh, much time and effort. <laughs> congratulations to you on Thanks, making a movie out of film school. That is something that point point one percent of graduates do. Thank you. No, it was uh, honestly everything just aligned for that to happen. We were. Um, David, the director, and I, and my co-producer, Mert, sorry, we were pushing for it a lot. And we had to present the school uh, with an 850-page production plan wow. for them to let us do that. Because um, Vancouver Film School is mainly around like um, building a short film for your final project. And the director and I really wanted to not do that. We wanted to just make a feature right away. And it was a lot of like getting the students on board, getting the school on board proving to the school that we're capable of doing that. We have the funds. So there was just, uh, I remember missing so many classes just because I was working on that package to make sure we were able to do that. Um, I remember staying at the school for three days straight, like slept in the computer lab for two nights. Um, You know, that was fun to this day. (laughs) To this day, that was some of the hardest work I've done. I don't think I can work that hard anymore. (laughs) (laughs) But it was just, we had so much energy. We had, we were so excited. And when they gave us the green light to go make it, we were just over the moon and went to the island with 50 people, rented out an entire resort, stayed there for 12 days. We had very long hours, very long hours. I apologize to the delinquent crew. (laughs) But um, everybody stuck it out, and we made a pretty good film, man. I'm pretty proud of it. Well, Arshia, you are just a wonderfully talented person. Uh, Keep an eye out for him. He has a lot of cool stuff coming up and coming out soon. And uh, he's just a wonderful guy. Uh, Arshia, are you on social media? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm on Instagram as Arshia Nav, N-A-V. Um, and yeah, if anybody wants to reach out to have a chat or anything, I'm always here. Awesome. Uh, thank you so much. I'm at Willem Osland on Instagram. And uh, yeah, gr- it was great to have you, dude. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. This is so much fun. I'd love to have you back whenever you want. And we can talk whatever junk you watched. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> great. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, join us next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.